this afternoon, I'd like us to focus on the post-resurrection of Jesus. In, in the scriptures are recorded his birth, his life, his death, his burial, which, by the way, is not just an, an incidental. His resurrection, which we considered earlier, and his post-resurrection is given quite a bit of attention. His ascension is an underrated uh, event, an underrated doctrine. Ascension Thursday, 40 days after his resurrection. So Jesus appeared for 40 days before he raptured to heaven. And even his post-ascension, being seated at the right hand of God. Why is the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus so important? Well, because they verify the, re- the resurrection. I suppose if, if it was said that he was raised, but no one ever saw him, and there were no proofs, the Lord knew that we needed, as Acts tells us, many infallible proofs that Jesus was raised from the dead. And in particular, it says that he was seen. <clears throat> Unless people think that it was just a mirage or a vision, <clears throat> the Bible tells us that there were many different kinds of people, well, different people, as everyone is made in the image of God, and, but uh, many people saw him. There were ones, there were twos, there were perhaps threes. Uh, there were ten at once, eleven. The Bible tells us there were five hundred. And so these post-resurrection appearances verified his resurrection from the dead. <clears throat> there are certainly many firsts when you think about the first resurrection. Technically it wasn't. But the others that rose from the dead in the Old Testament and the New Testament all had to die again. Like Lazarus and like uh, the young girl. They had to die twice. But this was the first resurrection that was certainly a saving resurrection and a permanent resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ's. The first day of the week, there are a lot of firsts regarding Christ's work. The first day of the week, He was raised from the dead. The first evidence, the stone rolled away and the folded clothes. The first believer, it says, John looked and he believed. The first witness, were angels, but the first human witness was a woman. Isn't it interesting how the Lord privileged the uh, the female with that fact? They were the faithful ones that stayed at the cross when all the men fled. I suppose we might say that John stayed at least long enough where Jesus was able to speak with him. But John certainly didn't defend the Lord Jesus when he was arrested and he was brought into the high priest's residence. John seemed to have some connection, whether it be family, a family connection or some other, to be allowed that close into the high priest's residence. But he didn't defend the Lord Jesus. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't testify in his writings that he was any more faithful than the other disciples. The first words are recorded by, or, of Jesus to Mary 
and to his disciples. And isn't it interesting that the first words were peace be unto you. The first sermon certainly is recorded where he speaks about the forgiveness of sins and and blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed in some of the famous first words of the resurrected Christ. But I want us just to consider some some uh, truths that deal with his post-resurrection appearances. Our church just read, our brethren just read the 20th chapter of John and certainly several of those uh, post-resurrection appearances and incidents are recorded there. But the trying to take chronologically from Matthew to Acts the uh, post-resurrection incidents. And you remember when Jesus died there was a great earthquake and the tombs of, of many of the saints broke open but they didn't dare exit until after Jesus rose from the dead. It's an interesting thought that the tombs were broke open, broke broken open but they didn't they didn't exit yet it tells us not until after Jesus rose from the dead some 36 hours later and I hope you understand there's no there's no uh, error there it says three days and three nights Jesus did not die on Wednesday or Thursday the Bible is very clear that he died on Friday it's called Good Friday but it was the day before the Sabbath three days and three nights is a what we call an idiom it doesn't require 72 hours, in other words. It requires part of uh, the three days. So Jesus would have been in the, grave, in the grave Friday night and all day Saturday and then part of Sunday morning. And so the three days and the three nights are, are met. Because again, it's an idiom. We say things like, I'll see you, uh, you, know, I'll see you next week. It might be even just two days later. And uh, we have idioms that, we don't take to be absolutely literal. Like it says, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Again, similarly, it could have been 36 hours. It tells us that Esther told his, her servants and believers to fast for three days and three nights. And it says, on the third day, she went in under the king. So she didn't go in on the fourth day. So she, wasn't, she, she meant it as an idiom. Pray for the next couple of days. And then I'll go in to see the king. So don't, don't be uh, worried about people when they try to convince you that Jesus had to have died on Wednesday because that gives you 72 hours. No, he died on Friday and it's no contradiction of Scripture that he rises on Sunday morning. And so it's not 72 hours but 36, but it still meets the prophecy that three days and three nights he would be in the grave and... Uh, rise from the dead the first incident that is recorded that when Jesus rose from the dead there was another earthquake just like when he died so it's as if the earth when he died said this is a cosmic crime of the ages but when he rose from the dead it's like the earth now is is resounding the vindication of the king the uh the, uh, the rising of from the dead of the Messiah. And so the earth could not be silent when Jesus rose from the dead. There was a signal there. Quite a few people, I imagine there wasn't a person that wasn't awakened by that earthquake. 
with the earth. As Jesus said, remember when the little children were coming to him and the Pharisees rebuked Jesus for allowing the children to rebuke the disciples. And Jesus said the rocks would cry out if they didn't cry. Remember, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. His his doorman was an angel. The, angel, the angels had part in, in the work of Christ. It was an angel that rolled back the stone. And, and uh, remember, the women were concerned, who are we going to get to roll the stone away because it is so massive? And we're told in Psalm 103 that the angels excel us in strength, that they can, they can carry things that, that man cannot. I understand that Samson was an exception, but it's not that Samson was some giant man. Maybe you've seen pictures of Samson as if he's some uh, hulk, but he probably was a normal uh, sized Hebrew man, but it was the, the Lord that caused him to be able to do those extra human feats. And the angel rolls back the stone and sits upon. I think that's one of the most comical portions of the Bible, the angel just sitting on top of that huge boulder and uh, the accomplishment that he felt, like again, David standing upon Goliath before he beheaded him. And, uh, it's just a wonderful thing to see that angels were included in the, uh, the, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder if the Lord asked the angels, which of you would like to roll the stone away? You can see the angels all saying, you know, let me be picked. You know how it is in our classes. Remember in our early days when the, when the teacher would ask a question and we'd all say, ooh, me. And you can just see an angel. Just like, remember the Lord asked the angels in the days of, uh, well, actually he was asking the demons, which of you is going to go and deceive Ahab from going into battle and being killed? And it's just again amazing to me the kindness of the Lord. Uh, it was through Eve that Eve was deceived by the serpent, but it was Adam's sin that caused the fall of the human race. But the Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene was the first person that the Lord Jesus spoke to and appeared to. Isn't that grace? Isn't that kindness? In those days, the women were, were not well treated. And here is the Lord privileging the ladies of the kingdom of God. It was the women that stayed to watch the crucifixion. It was the women that came to the sepulcher first and alerted the disciples. We're told that Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons in her before Jesus healed her, exercised the demons out. See, Jesus loved to save sinners that are down and out lost. And Jesus privileged Mary with being the first one. Won't it be neat to meet Mary one day? What was it like? What did you feel? We're told that you were that you were afraid and you were joyful, but I look forward to meeting all the saints that we read about. It's not that way in our history books, is it? When, we, when I grew up and read history books and read about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or I never thought I'd ever meet them. Now, the only way we'll meet some of our historical figures is if they're saved. I don't know if 
we'll all be at the same scene when judgment day comes and the wicked are brought before God. But I know this. The Bible teaches us that we'll meet the saints that we read about in the scriptures. And, uh, I, I say this as I, as I try to preach every book from the Bible, but I have not preached through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And I'm a little bit afraid to meet them because they might ask me, did you, did you preach through my book? But, you know, Jesus was, was not in a hurry when he, when he uh, exited the tomb. We're told in John chapter 20, verses 6 and 7, that two of the pieces of clothing were in separate places. The napkin that was about his head and the grave clothes that he wrapped in a, in a different spot. And, you know, there is some application there that uh, we're, to be, we're to be neat, aren't we? We're to, we're to do things decently and in order. And yet Jesus is in no hurry to exit the tomb. And, uh, do you make your bed in the morning? Do you fold your clothes? You know, there's some, there's some, there's some adjacent application here. You know, Jesus wants the faint-hearted to be cheered. After the resurrection, we're told that Jesus joined Cleopas and another individual, maybe it was his wife, and they were leaving Jerusalem to go to a village nearby called Emmaus. And they were really dejected because they thought that Jesus was the, the Messiah. And they thought that death had ended his ministry. And Jesus planned to meet them. Isn't that a neat? Uh, you can read this, read about this in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. That they're all dejected on the way to Emmaus, and Jesus just happens to join them. So he's very conscious of what's going on around him. And I don't know if it's the use of his omniscience that he knew about Cleopas, or if he heard from the disciples that, uh, or someone else that. This couple in particular was very depressed. But the Lord is wanting to cheer the faint-hearted. Maybe you're, you're faint-hearted today and you're dejected and your faith is weak. I believe Jesus would come to your aid and encourage you. He would join with you today and give you His Word. Peace be unto you and to remind you that He's raised from the dead and that He, is, he understands as a faithful high priest what you have endured you understand the persecution that he felt and faced throughout his life none of his family members understood him most of his family members didn't believe in him he was persecuted by his brothers and sisters and even his mother Mary as godly as she was uh, was taken away was uh, uh, carried away with their skepticism and their cynicism. And so Jesus is here to cheer you today that He is alive from the dead and He understands your burdens. Certainly is a different dimension in the resurrection state. We're told in Luke 24, in verse 36, that the disciples had the doors closed in the upper room and it says that Jesus simply appears. There was no knock. There was no opening of the door. That There's a dimension that you and I cannot understand. I'm not saying that we're all going to be able to walk through walls. 
or we'll be able to walk through closed doors. But the Bible tells us that he simply appeared and it certainly startled him. And again, he says, peace be unto you. He's always there to, to settle our anxiety, but to, to show us that, that the dimension is certainly better and different and something that we look forward to. Talk about the exclusivity of his salvation to his elect, but there's, there's an exclusivity regarding whom he appeared to. From what we can tell, no unbeliever saw the resurrected Christ. I suppose the exception would be Saul on the way to Damascus. He was unsaved and Jesus appeared to him, but you remember, he was blinded. And so really he heard that Jesus was speaking to him. He didn't see Jesus. And so technically the exclusive club of those who saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead were believers only. And that's kind of ominous when you think about it. There's there's an exception. There's a, a dichotomy between believers and unbelievers. And though unbelievers will also have a resurrection, the Bible calls it the resurrection of the damned. The Bible calls it not the resurrection of the just, but the resurrection of the unjust. And I, I, I know this, that if, if I was in hell, I would not want to exit hell to stand before God and to have the resurrection of the unjust. How blessed we are in Christ to have the hope of the resurrection of the just. And again, there were many witnesses to His resurrection. We're told many infallible proofs in Acts chapter 1. But it's interesting that 500 people saw Jesus at the same time. And we have eyewitness accounts in different places where Jesus appeared. He didn't just appear in the upper room. We're told that He appeared out on a public road. That Jesus appeared on the seashore. That Jesus appeared um, on a mountain. Jesus appeared uh, at the tomb, outside the tomb where he had laid. So we know that Jesus shows us that there are a variety of people, different numbers of people, different kinds of places. He appears in Jerusalem. He appears in Galilee. And so Jesus' appearances were varied in nature. So this is a tremendous um, encouragement to us that this is this is for real. And even Jesus said that he would eat. They weren't. They thought that they saw a phantom. We were told that Jesus asked for food, and they gave him what? They gave him bread, and they gave him fish, and he ate it. Don't ask me about again uh, the. Uh, the nature of the new body. Are we going to have an electri- electrical currents in the new body? Are we going to have? Are we going to have a, a, a sewer system? Are we, are we going to be able to eat food and, and all these things? I, I can't. I can't answer those. Are we going to need to sleep? Will we have literal houses? I don't know, but I know this: that it will be far better than the state we are enduring today. He had broiled fish, by the way. He had broiled fish in a honeycomb. And I won't say any more than that. 
fish for dinner, but he also had fish for breakfast to meet the disciples on the seashore of Galilee. Isn't that interesting that Jesus appears to them while they're fishing? And before he began to speak to them, he had breakfast ready for them. Just the kindness of the Lord. Have you experienced the kindness of the Lord? How he anticipates you and has something prepared for you that you didn't expect? Jesus has a word prepared for you when you read the scripture. He has an incident that he's already taken care of. He's had a need met before you inquire. I trust that you cry out to him. He give you tokens of his love, tokens of his kindness to you. We all understand we're going to receive afflictions. God strengthen our hearts to recognize that Jesus is not divvying out afflictions because he never experienced them. God divvied out hundreds of afflictions to the Lord Jesus Christ. And especially his arrest and torture and crucifixion. Jesus chose the battle scars to remain. Have you ever had a soldier, a war veteran show their scars? You know, more and more I'm beginning to see soldiers out there on crutches or with artificial legs, artificial wounds. And I hope when you see a soldier like that, you say, thank you. I hope when you see something like that, you say, those are battle scars. Those are to preserve my freedom. And you know, the Lord Jesus is going to let us see his battle scars to remind us that he purchased our redemption. It was His work that purchased our freedom from sin and our deliverance from hell. And I hope we'll never cease forgiving Him. And He wants to remind us by the battle scars. Why would He keep them? I've had people insist that he, that was just temporary. I don't believe that. I believe He kept His battle scars. Kept His body. His body is permanent. What condescension of the God of the universe to take a human body into union with his own. Those are his trophies. Luke 24:40. he showed them his hands and his feet. His resurrection was bodily. It was literal. Again, he shows them his hands. Literal hands. And he showed them also his feet. His side. The Bible says that he, he spoke to his disciples. The Bible says that he, he made food, he made meals for his disciples, that he walked with them, he talked with them. It was the very same Jesus. Imagine there were some skeptical people saying, is this really the Lord? And he says in Luke twenty four thirty nine, it is I myself. It's me. It's not anyone else. Mary understood that when she said, Rabboni, Rabboni. It was no phantom. He was seen inside and outside, with one, with a few, with many. He was seen in Jerusalem, outside the tomb, on a road, on a mountain, in Galilee. He was seen from heaven by Stephen and by Paul later, who heard Jesus speak and say, Fear not, I have many people in Corinth that I intend to save. We're told he was seen by eleven disciples minus Thomas, and then I'm sorry, ten disciples minus Thomas. 
And then he was seen by all the eleven. He was seen by Peter. He, he got with Peter alone, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15. By Mary, by Cleopas, by Paul, by Stephen. Wasn't it a privilege of Stephen before he passed away to look up and see the heavens open and Jesus standing ready to receive him? Stephen had a premature death, so to speak. Just like Abel. He was seen on the Lord's Day especially. He was seen in the morning. He was seen in the afternoon to Cleopas on the road to Emmaus. He was seen in the evening. He was seen the very next Sunday, we're told, when he showed Thomas his wounds. It's a special day to the Lord. For 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus was seen. The first day, the eighth day, in between the uh, Sabbath days when he was at the Sea of Galilee. He was seen on the 40th day before he ascended to heaven. Jesus just wants us to know that he is raised from the dead. He is alive. He is well. Again, without worry, showed us it's a new dimension, a stunning announcement by the earthquake strong attendance the angels <clears throat> ladies first twice on Sunday no phantom <clears throat> answering the questions perhaps will we eat in heaven showing the trophies of his wounds of his warfare he's the first fruits of the resurrection to Christians only the, the privilege to see him in his post-resurrection appearances how the Lord Jesus was so kind and visiting his disciples in their time of need. Must have been sweet to the disciples and Jesus when they were all met at the Sea of Galilee. It was, that was the place, a special place for the disciples during the ministry of Christ. Jesus shows us it's a new relationship when we meet him in his resurrected body. Mary was no longer, as it were, his mother, but his disciple. Behold thy mother. Yes, he was showing Mary there's a new dimension now. There's a new relationship. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're children of God. Jesus is our, our Savior, our Redeemer. He is our, our Lord. And let us worship him. And the Lord would turn to us today and like you turn to John and Mary and say, Behold your brother, behold your sister. Let's take care of each other. Let us encourage each other before we see the Lord. Let us live the kind of life that honors Him because we only have one opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the evidence of Your resurrection, for the encouragement when we read of Your words of your works, of your presence. And, oh Lord, how these encourage us to continue to, to know that we have the hope of the resurrection. And Lord, death is looming. We all see this as, as, our, as we continue to, to age. Our bodies begin to fail. And we are facing the last enemy. Lord, as you said, you have taken the sting out of death. 
Lord, how you were stung by death. For yours was a saving death. A death of suffering. A death of our condemnation. That you rose from the dead and you took the stinger out of that enemy. But Lord, it still is ominous to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to desire to be with thee, though we don't desire to die. We do desire to be with you. We pray that we would live more holy lives. We would live more with more consciousness of eternity. The fact that we'll face thee and give account of how we have lived since you saved us. Help us, Lord, to live for you. Pray that you please bless us as we go back to our homes and into the world, that we would be reflections of your grace and mercy to us. We would see poor souls in need of, of the joy of your salvation and the peace of the forgiveness of sins. So many, Lord, are are suffering tragedies and they have no hope. They don't know what to do. As you know, many are taking their own lives, thinking that that is a relief. The Lord, the devil is busy, as you know, seeking to, to destroy souls. Lord, please save souls. Use us in our different spheres to point people to, to you. Thank you for this time. Please bless your word to us. In Jesus' name we ask these things.